It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. What's up? What's up? Welcome to another night of motorsports conversation here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome to the Stock Car Show. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media. I am joined in the Race Chaser studios in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina by Jacob Seelman, who is actually tripling tonight as co-host and producer and producer trainer Randy Miller uh, being tutored over there by Jacob and uh, eventually you will be both uh, hearing from Randy and um, noticing he will be manning the controls here shortly uh, down the road as well for some of our shows here so we welcome Randy to the group and of course via the Race Chaser Skype line we have both uh, Chris Murdoch and Cisco Scaramuza, and we have got a full show tonight. Kyle Souza going to join us a little later to talk uh, about what's going on up in New England. Of course, uh, modifieds at the forefront of that conversation, and I can talk modifieds for an entire show. So uh, we'll do that here in just a little while. Also, uh, lots of conversation about the K&M Pro E-Series. We've got some conversation about ARCA coming up because they're at the Tricky Triangle that's going to be a Friday afternoon show, so we'll talk about the ARCA series. But here's, uh, we always start the show with the Newswire, and here's a bit of breaking news. Uh, Jacob, can we, get, can we do your uh, breaking news thing, Jacob? If I must. Breaking news. Scuderia Corsa committing to the 2019 Indy 500. Now, those of you who know about Indy cars and watch this year's 500 know that the Scuderia Corsa entry this year was being driven by Oreo Servia, or as I like to call him, Oreo Cookie. And uh, Oreo Cookie almost double-stuffed the 500 uh, by winning it on a fuel stretch, but was a few laps short. They are committed to the 2019 race, and they are revealing that they would like to bring their IndyCar program in-house at some point and go full-time as early as 2019. And there is some conversation about the possibility that perhaps, maybe, Ferrari or one of the other brands owned by Fiat Chrysler may provide some engine support for that program in the future. So interesting Breaking news, just as we were coming on the air here this evening, this is an, an intriguing story for a number of reasons. One, it's good to see that Scuderia Corsa is again coming back to Indy and is trying to develop a full-time program. Even more intriguing, they want to in-house it, maybe not next year, but possibly uh, at some point in the near future, and the possibility of Ferrari coming in, although that's speculation, but wow. This feels a little bit like snake oil to me, Tom. It's, I mean, yes, they want to come in and they want to do everything right and they want to be the leaders in the series, but then I'd argue so does uh, Dry and Reinbold Racing and so does a bunch of these other teams that we see run just the Indy 500. I need to see more. If they are going to bring Ferrari in, great. If they're going to bring in D, uh, Daimler in, cool. 
but I need to see it to believe it here. Yes, they're fully committing to run the 500 again. Awesome. If they want to run full-time, I need to see stuff, Tom. Well, it's definitely going to be very interesting because, you know what, this is, uh, I think, a sign because McLaren's still talking about doing more with IndyCar. Now you have Scuderia, who's been huge in the sports cars. Now you're starting to get a sense that maybe IndyCar might be drifting back toward a direction that it was in back, you know, in the 60s and 70s when you had... Momentum is the word. Yes, when you had more manufacturers, more brands, more situations, and heaven knows we need that because I think that's the key to opening this up and getting past the 33 to 35 car barrier because... Honda and Chevrolet don't seem to want to make more than a certain amount of motors. So we can't really bring a lot of new teams in because there aren't enough doggone motors to go around. So we need another motor manufacturer or two. And we certainly could use some more teams with brand names like Ferrari and McLaren because that makes the series much more impactful and recognizable, well, that's probably the wrong word, but let's just say uh, marketable internationally as well. And I think that's something that IndyCar definitely would benefit from. So I think this is a really intriguing story, Chris. This is kind of one of those um, breaking news stories that makes you wonder what other shoes we might see drop here in the next uh, 30 to 60 days while we're still kind of in the midst of the uh, Indy 500 hype, so to speak, or post-race hype, whether we uh, see any more announcements about directions for 2019. This has always been a struggle that we've been discussing, at least at this round table, wanting more manufacturers, wanting more shoes uh, in, in the mix. So I feel like, at least in my eyes, it's a welcomed uh, a welcome change to the IndyCar thing if it does uh, come to fruition. And just adding more manufacturers, I think, in my opinion, would only make the sport better and more competitive. Well, I'll add to that by saying absolutely it'll make it more competitive, Chris. But beyond that, IndyCar hasn't had the brand recognition it enjoyed before the split. And names like... Ferrari, names like McLaren, names like Corsa, that only brings IndyCar back to the forefront, not just in this country, but it could well bring American open-wheel racing back to the forefront across the globe. At one time, we had that in the IndyCar series. We don't anymore, Tom, or at least not nearly to the extent that we used to. But Jay Fry has made no bones about the fact he wants the Verizon IndyCar series. He wants IndyCar racing to not just be something that's talked about in the U.S. He wants it to become a worldwide phenomenon again. And good grief, if you can pull in names like McLaren, Corsa, get team involvement there, that's going to make that happen. And it's going to bring the eyes back onto IndyCar that will help propel IndyCar back to where it was decades ago. Oh, yeah. Well, here's an interesting stat. And this was something that I ran across uh, last night while I was just uh, scrolling social media. It was actually on LinkedIn, and I was looking at a couple of uh, marketing-related sites. 
and one of them was talking directly about motorsports. NASCAR is still the second highest sport in the country, most watched sport in the country behind football. The fastest rising sport in the TV rankings right now is sports car racing, the IMSA WeatherTech series. And IndyCar ratings are up. I can't remember the number exactly. I think it was something like 40%. But it's, it's almost 50%. It, it it's was, yeah, it was, it was up there quite a bit. So what that does is backs up what Jacob just said. This is a sport that's growing again. And TV ratings are almost insignificant at this point because so many people are getting the content without having cable. They're getting it from sources where it wouldn't count in the ratings. But um, with motorsports in general and NASCAR specifically still being uh, so high in the ratings in comparison to a lot of the other stick and ball sports. And now if you start getting some of these brands back into IndyCar, because that's on an upsurge and we know that sports car attention is definitely on an upswing you know, that's really not a bad situation to be in for our sport in an era when everybody's talking about how bad things are falling and, you know, everything's going to be swallowed up and gone in the next couple of years, which obviously I know is nonsense. But the sky is falling. Yeah, the sky, the sky is, is falling. falling. NASCAR ratings are awful. Track attendance is terrible. Nobody cares about it anymore. It's done, whatever. You know, you hear all of that and, you know, you you got to look at, the the truth versus social media opinions but you know it was refreshing to see that kind of a of of a post in a marketing forum that really has no direct tie to motorsports but was talking about the value of motorsports and specifically was relating IndyCar and sports cars in there Cisco as being growing entities that's that gives a lot of hope to uh, potential companies who might want to be involved in the sport, I think, going forward. Yeah, and there definitely has been kind of a little bit, uh, obviously, with the announcement that NASCAR, you know, the Francis are looking to sell. CNBC had their huge video story that got lots of traction on social media the last couple days that I think came out, I think, on Monday. But um, that was an interesting piece where they talked about kind of the other side of the coin where NASCAR hasn't been in the rating system lately, but towards the end of it, they did talk about how the how TV and live numbers have been able to actually go up since then. So I think live sports coverage is going to be uh, kind of whetting the appetite of television and the media corporations for a long time to come because it has that instant gratification part to it. Well, that's right, and especially keep your eye on what may go on with Fox over the next year or so with some of this stuff because they've got a lot of space now. They're not producing their own live primetime content anymore. I'm not talking about sports, but your primetime network shows. So they've got a lot of space to fill and keep your eye on potentially maybe some some motorsports-related shows or races themselves on the Fox parent brand over the next year, and we'll see what happens with that. But with that, we're going to step aside. When we come back, more items off the newswire. They, uh, NASCAR turned Chris Bell into a cucumber over the uh, course of the last few days. We'll tell you about what that means when we come back. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport. 
right here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Be right back. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, all with you and talking racing here this evening. We continue to discuss the newswire. This segment brought to you by the letter G that Tom conveniently left out for a moment. Okay, this segment brought to you by the letter G. I have no idea why, but Jacob just, will probably explain You said racing. That. That's R-A-C-I-N apostrophe. That's I said racing. That's exactly right. What it was was racing. You don't say racing. What it was was racing. What it was was racing. And we're talking racing. 
So, as we continue to talk racing, we talk about cucumbers. And you ask, well, why in the world would you talk about cucumbers on a racing show? It's because Chris Bell got turned into a cucumber, or at least his uh, finish did the other day, from Charlotte because NASCAR found something they didn't like. And basically, what a cucumber is, when you get cucumbered, you can't use it for anything. You can't count it in any kind of playoff scenarios, anything like that. Of course, he didn't win the race, so I'm not sure really how much difference it makes in the long run, Jacob. But, yeah, for tiebreakers, I guess it's important. It is important, as a matter of fact. And what I think is more important, Tom, is not the fact that his third-place finish got encumbered or cucumbered, as we like to joke. (laughs) NASCAR doesn't want to choose an encumbered, so I said cucumbered. They can't. You You know what? You know what? I sometimes don't care what nascar (laughs) thinks and this time is one of them i was actually okay with that word but maybe that's because i like big words anyhow the 10 point deduction in the regular season standings i think is where this really hurts because keep in mind the regular season champion gets 15 bonus playoff points at the end of the first 26 races and to add to that there are playoff points on the line for every spot in regular season points back to 10th so every point in this scenario matters and we've seen 10 points be the difference between a spot in the standings or with as close as some of these Xfinity cars have been this year it could be the difference between a couple of spots in the standings so you know Could those playoff points that Bell may or may not get be the difference in him advancing around or advancing to Homestead, Miami? Well, there's no way to know right now, but I'm just saying this could have far more implications down the road than what it has right now. And he failed the height tolerances, which is not something we talk about as much nowadays as we used to, but it's still out there. Well, yeah, that's true, and it always depends whether you're a little too high or a little too low. Which Uh, they didn't specify, by the way, in this case. They just said he failed the height tolerances. Yeah, I kind of straddle the height tolerances for most adult rides at an amusement park. But anyways, Uh, 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 so Chris uh, Murdoch, so Chris Bell, going to be down some points here. But to be honest, I'm not really too sure – if I'm looking at the way this Xfinity season is going, I'm not really too sure, Chris, that I'm paying a whole lot of attention at this point to Chris Bell for being the regular season points leader because it's pretty much been all the junior motorsports guys that have been topping the point standings, though we've still got enough races left where certainly the JGR Toyotas could get hot. That's true, Tom, and... It's no secret that Chris Bell has been frustrated. I mean, he was frustrated in his post-race press conference after the race at Charlotte with his finish uh, and, and was kind of short and snarky. So, I mean, he, he's getting snarky. frustrated, which I think turns good for a driver in some ways because it bumps up their determination and they want to get up there. So, yes, at this moment in time, I'm not looking at JGR as a uh, as a you know championship leader team. But, you know, as we've seen it from the JGR uh, quick uh, or the JGR cup team uh, lately, uh, they can quickly turn things around at that camp. 
All right, so my tidbit here is the fact that while Tom says the junior motorsports cars have been dominating the point standings, I beg to differ. One junior motorsports car has been dominating the point standings, and that's Elliot Sadler. Chris Bell is second in regular season points right now to Elliot Sadler through 11 races. So, Tom, I don't want to hear that 10 points might not make a difference because I could see Christopher Bell as we go to some of these tracks in the summer that he was at last year and has some prior experience at. I could see him easily challenging Sadler for that regular season title because though Elliott is out in front by a decent amount right now, he's not had the bad luck that you and I both know is going to hit <laughs> eventually. eventually. Yeah. You can't be top 10 in every race without something going wrong sooner or later. 2003 Matt Kenseth notwithstanding. Well, I think Tyler Reddick is, I think he's inherited Sadler's bad luck because Tyler has had a fast car at almost every track and is just uh, like last week had some situations where it's affected his position in the points yeah. but for the this... first most for 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 most of this first third or so of the races Sadler and Allgaier in one form or another were first and second in the standings and I think at one point Reddick was actually third or at least in there but he's um, still third he's just a little further now uh here's the deal chris bell may get hot like i said but if i'm looking at jgr i'm gonna tell you that my thought is if anybody's gonna get hot out of that camp it's brandon jones because that kid is settling in really nicely and it seems like when ryan priest ends up in the or not ryan priest but uh, noah gregson well ryan too for that matter but when either priest or gregson end up in that 18 car it seems like oftentimes bell is the car that's third of the jgr cars i have not seen a situation where i feel like chris bell has shown me what i thought he would have Coming into the season, I think I picked him to win seven races. I'm not sure he's going to win two or three. Well, he's already got point. one. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, I don't feel like he's been nearly as consistent. And, you know, it's it's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. Of course, the problem with the Xfinity, when you look at the points, the one thing that scrambles all of that is when you get a cup driver in the 22 car, you get the 22 and a, you know, a 12 car or whatever, where you get, you get more cup drivers in there. It scrambles the finishing position so that, you know, you don't get as many points or whatever. So well, the 12 car doesn't mean anything. Cause the only time it's on track is when Austin. Cedric yeah. Is and it. he hasn't, uh, he hadn't done all that well so far. So, you know, it's one of those deals where I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm just not sure that this is going to make a huge difference for Chris Bell, but certainly, again, avoidable mistake uh, on the team's part, and it's just one of those those things. Uh, I I don't know at this point how you you allow things like that to happen. But well, we I move mean on. to be clear, Chris Bell has been feast or famine this year. He's got a win, and he's got seven top four finishes in the first 11 races this year. The problem is when he's been outside the top right. 10, he's been really, really bad. Exactly. He had a crash at Daytona. He had a crash at Bristol. He was abysmal at Fontana. And 
well, Talladega's kind of, you know, he finished 12th at Talladega, but he was running up in the top five on the last lap before everything went haywire in the middle of the pack. So, yeah. I mean, Bell has shown flashes of brilliance. You don't, you don't finish in the top four seven times this season in 11 races without having some sort of brilliance there. But well, I would agree. I feel like w- at least one or two of those races where he was in the top four, he probably should have won them and didn't. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I feel like if you're in JGR equipment, you should be in the top five. So I don't consider seven top fives or top fours brilliance. I consider it doing what you should be doing, but at the same time, I, I mean, also... I'm just going to be honest. Kyle Busch not having won an Xfinity race this year should tell you that JGR is not the power player that they have well, been the last that's, few years. That's true, but I also, looking at the performances of all the drivers that have been in those cars, that's why I say I think Brandon Jones is the one with the momentum, and whenever Gregson or Priest have been in the 18 car, they both run well, particularly Gregson in his starts in that car have run really well almost every time out. So, Oh, by the way, there's a new package this weekend or an old new yeah, package. Yeah, an old new package. And I was going to touch on that before we have to, to uh, go to break here. You know, running the indie package from last year at Pocono feels like this could make for the most wacky and wild Xfinity race that we've seen in a long, long time, because Pocono is so wide. I mean, I could see him be four or five wide or six wide on the restarts with this package, and I don't think you're going to have a lot of drivers be able to get away. This this could be a really interesting and maybe calamity-filled Xfinity race this weekend. No. Yay, speedway racing. <laughs> yeah, again... Um, yeah, yay, yeah, Speedway Racer, exactly, Chris Bellism. Well, um, and, and let's keep in mind, too, this package that was run at Indianapolis last year, what's turn two at Pocono based off of? <coughs> Indianapolis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, Chris. I mean, I I can't wait to watch this, actually, because I feel like this is either going to be the greatest race we've watched in a long time, or it could be one of the uh, craziest where five cars finish, one or the other. I'm not too sure which it's going to be. I think it'll be really good, at least as as a test. I mean, let's not forget we do it here and at Michigan. So those are two tracks I'm excited for. Cole Custer is excited for. Uh, Chris Bell, not so much, as you heard me say, yay, Speedway yeah. Racing. But I feel like in, in terms of, of my experience watching Indy, I feel like uh, I feel like it's going to be good and I feel like it'll be entertaining. It's never not entertaining when you bring this package. I mean, we've had it in the cup series at Charlotte for the all-star race and Indy and the Xfinity series. And both races have been really entertaining. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, they're going to run it at uh, Pocono Indy and I think Michigan for the Xfinity series this year. So be interesting to see how it goes this Saturday for sure. With that, we're going to step aside for a moment. When we come back, Kyle Souza going to join us and we'll spend a few minutes talking about what's going on up in new england the wheel and modified tour coming off their little uh four-week hiatus and the k&m pro series east racing memphis as well after a few weeks off so we'll talk about both of those things right around the turn you're listening to the stock car show presented by hms motorsport 
on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke located on Route 1 or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Well, that worked well. A New Englander bringing us out of the break and back to 
our New England wrap-up segment. We welcome back for the first time in a few weeks here the now graduated Kyle Souza, our New England correspondent and uh, also a part of NASCAR Home Tracks PR team and a scribe as well for uh, Ariana Racing News and I don't even know everything Kyle does anymore because he's got so much going on. But uh, first of all, Kyle, welcome back and congratulations on your graduation from Roger Williams University. Yeah, thanks, guys. Glad to be back. Uh, glad that that graduation is now in the rearview mirror and we can focus on uh, what's probably going to be one of the best summers of racing up here in New England that I've been alive for and that for a variety of reasons obviously uh we'll focus here on the nascar wheel and modified tour but also a lot of other things going on up here in the new england region some big modified races that are not on the nascar wheel and modified tour circuit also some big wheel and all american series races going on throughout the northeast uh and a lot of other things but to start obviously the nascar wheel and modified tour taking center stage again uh this weekend they've had a whole month off yeah kind of like i had it Kind of like I had a whole month. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah but you were doing stuff. Have... I was going to say you were doing stuff. These guys were probably, uh, you know, vacationing with the family and doing honeydew stuff at home and maybe working on their cars. You were finishing finals. That's no fun. Yeah, so I'm glad that my part is behind yeah, that. And I exactly. think these drivers are probably glad that the break is behind them. I know it yes. came at a good time. Uh, for a couple of the competitors, specifically guys like Doug Kobe and Timmy Salomito that maybe needed a chance to regroup. Uh, but they're back in action this week. Uh, my home stomping ground at Seacock, just up the road, uh, the Wheel of Modified Tour, their fourth race of the season coming up on Saturday night, the Seacock 150. Uh, unfortunately, if you look at the weather forecast, Seacock has not gotten a race in yet this year. Uh, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, four this, uh, races scheduled in the month of May. Wow. Uh, haven't gotten one in because of Mother Nature. Uh, they're going to try again Saturday, but the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour are going to join the program as well. They do have an Air Titan uh, coming up here to Massachusetts to be here on property for Saturday. Weather a little bit questionable. Uh, Jacob, I'll bring you in the Wheel Modified Tour again. These guys have had a month off, a month to, to kind of sit back, think about what's happened in the first three races, and kind of prepare for what's going to be an interesting month. We've got three different style tracks. Seacock coming up on Saturday. Thompson, the high banks of Thompson, on Wednesday, June 13th. And then at the end of the month, kind of a little bit of an unknown again. This is only the second year they've gone to their uh, Langley Speedway in Hampton, Virginia, also on the schedule this month. Yeah, this is going to be, I would say, probably the most unique month that we have on the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour schedule, and it's going a long way, or will go a long way, towards determining, I believe, the contenders for the championship. Kyle, this has been kind of an odd start, if I would say, to this season. I don't think any of us expected Justin Bonsignor to come out of the box and be leading the points right now. I don't think we expected John McKennedy to be a major threat through the first couple races of the season, and yet here both of those drivers are, well, once again, surprise, surprise, at least in my case, Doug Kobe off to a very slow start. We know how that ended a year ago, but I'm not convinced the second time is going to be quite as simple to overcome as the first. Kyle, stop and consider that as it sits right now, He's seventh in points, but he has a, a, a decent mountain to climb, being almost a race back again, just like he was a year ago. I mean, 
this is not familiar territory for these guys to be like this two years in a row. And I would be not necessarily hitting the panic button, but I would be getting close to it. Uh, I think I think we're going to learn a lot about Doug Kobe uh, and that Mayhew Tools team on Saturday night. And I, I think some people look at this, oh, it's only race four of the season. Uh, but this is really a unique race for one reason. There's no pit stops uh, in the Seacock 150. If you pit, there is a 99% chance that you're going to go a lap down. I saw a couple of guys do it last year, uh, make a pit stop and make a wedge adjustment and hustle back out before going a lap down. But it has to be perfect. Nobody can slow you down getting in or off. That pit road is not in the middle of the track. Instead, it's off the track uh, through a tunnel where you go off the tunnel, go to pit road, stop, make a wedge adjustment, and go back through the other tunnel to come back on pit road. Meanwhile, it's only a third mile. So the cars coming around under caution are flying, uh, basically. So it's really not easy to make a pit stop. I say that because Doug has seemed to struggle with this option tire rule and these tire changes where you're not just changing one or two tires. They're changing three or four tires, one of them with a different compound that you can run at any time of the race. They just haven't nailed that quite yet. Uh, That started last year probably in a move that NASCAR made to try and dethrone Kobe in a way to try and make it a little bit more competitive uh, at the end of the race. But they just haven't found it yet. But I think Saturday night, 150 laps, it's going to be the setup under the car and who can put themselves in the best position at the end of the race. And I think we're going to learn a lot. If they're up there at the end of the race, we know their setups are where they need to be. If he struggles Saturday, then we're going to know that may they may have a tough stretch ahead of them because Seacock, a little bit like some of these tracks we're going to see, like a Riverhead, like a Wangley, kind of shorter, tight corners, like a Bowring-style yeah. track that he's going to have to be successful at, Tom, if he wants to win another championship. Well, and see, I'm nowhere near panic button for Doug Kobe because I, I was alive last year, and I was the one last year saying it's going to be hard for him to dig out of this hole. And then at the end of the season, he was the one sitting at the champion's banquet holding the big trophy. So um, I don't have this fear of, of Kobe not figuring things out. I, I think it's just... You've got a track in Myrtle Beach that was a neutral track for these guys, and at least to this point, some others have figured that one out before Kobe has, and it really isn't until you get to some of these races like the Sizzler and you know some of the races like that where I feel like Kobe starts to, to be at home again, and this is really the same type of thing. I think Seekonk is maybe a bit of a a trouble spot for him. But, you know, as we go into the summer, he gets to all the tracks where he normally excels at. And I know that the uh, the whole sort of tire game, tire management game, is a little bit different now. But I have every faith that they will get their tire management game straightened out and will be in contention to win the championship at the end of the season. But here's the thing that I look at is you look at some of the drivers that have been challengers, but this year have different situations like a Justin Monsignor with a new car, new crew chief, that kind of thing. I think this is where if anything beats Colby, I don't think it's so much going to be Colby. I think it's going to be some of these guys, Kyle, that, you know, are just, they've stepped their game up for this season in an effort to stop Colby and overcome his dominance of the last few few years. 
Well, I think that's a fair uh, a fair assessment, and I think we've also dealt with some of the youth on the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour kind of jumping to the top of the game. Uh, the best average finish so far this year in drivers that have run all three races belongs to Chase Dowling, a 4.7. Justin Bonsignor also has a 4.7, so they're tied there. Dowling has been impressive. He's completed all 500 laps. He's led the most laps of anybody, 130 uh, on the Wheel Modified Tour. He's got a pole, two top fives, three top tens, and an average start that's inside the top ten as well. He's one point back of Bonsignor. I think he's been the one guy that we're a little bit surprised with earlier. Yeah. We knew he'd be fast out of the gate. The LFR camp always provides fast race cars, but we really weren't sure he hasn't done this in a while. I mean, he did win Sonoka Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, but he hasn't gone tour racing full-time since they introduced this new option tire. Well, they've nailed it right away. Yeah. I mean, he is yep. definitely one of the fastest cars on the track. And you mentioned Bonsignor as well. Uh, his new combination with Ryan Stone and LFR chassis has really, really jumped out to a great combination at the start. And I will say, talked to Justin a lot, done a couple of feature stories on him since the last time out. Uh, at Napa Spring Sizzler 200 at Stafford in April. Uh, he's not too excited right now. He said, we're only three races in. We've still got 13 to go. Uh, but I'm for, I, for one, am excited to see what Bonsignor has been able to put together, oh, Dowling, yeah. as well as McKennedy, uh, who's been really strong in the Baldwin Cup. Yeah, I still think, yeah, all those guys are going to be in contention. I still think this is Doug Kobe's title to lose and until somebody proves they can beat him over the course of a season i think ryan priest is the one that obviously could do that but again not running all of the races so you can't win a driver's championship that way jacob and i think honestly of all the drivers that are that i see in the on the tour i'm i'm really focusing on bonsignor because i think he's been a driver who has had maybe the best chance over the last two or three years who just hasn't quite gotten there. Now he's got a new crew chief and a new car, and I think that's where Jacob Justin Bonsignor stays in the hunt all season long, doesn't have these sort of ups and downs that he's had for the last few seasons, and he makes a run at Doug Kobe and the two crew for the championship. I think he does. I'm not convinced he's going to win it yet, but I think Neither he makes I. a run because I, he's done that a few times. Yeah. The guy, Kyle, we got about a minute before our break here, but I want to quickly talk about one guy, actually two young guys who have really stepped their game up and impressed me early on this season. Did we ever expect Chase Dowling and Craig Lutz not only to have three top ten finishes this season in three races, but to be sitting single digits behind the points lead at this point? I mean, Dowling, okay, maybe in an LFR house car, but Craig Lutz for me is the breakout so far this season. Yeah, Lutz is definitely, you know, so the, the initial news and notes story that I wrote this year uh, to kind of preview the season was talking about guys like Dowling and Lutz, these young guy, uh, young guns, I guess you can call them, the rising stars of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. They've really surprised me. They've really uh, been able to put full races together, and we know that's so important. You can start up front and lead the first 150 laps of a 200-lap race like the Spring Sizzler. If you don't finish the race, it really doesn't matter what you've done. Dowling's led 130 laps. He's got an average finish inside the top five, and he's right there. Lutz as well, uh, impressive to see him. And I think Ronnie Williams goes in that category as well. I know he hasn't got the finishes he wanted, but he was running second on the last lap at the Icebreaker, uh, strong at the Sizzler, and strong at Myrtle Beach as well. I think this rising star group 
uh, coming out of the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour is something we're going to have to watch going forward uh, to see if they can continue to do it. It's not easy to conform at this level uh, on the Wheel of Modified Tour. So if they can continue to do that, they'll be there. But something tells me in the middle of the summer, we're going to see the veterans kind of jump back to the top uh, and see what they can do as far as the title comes. I think Dowling may be another driver that sticks, but we'll see about that. We'll talk more modifieds because I just love talking about modifieds. And we got more stuff than that to talk about as well right around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, post it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport. The readers in motorsport safety, you can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. And if you need any type of driver or uh, team safety apparel, make sure that you check out HMS Motorsport. They have got prices and stuff to fit every budget. So check them out. And they are also 
authorities on motorsport safety wrote a lot of the seatbelt specifications for some of the major divisions and such. So uh, make sure you give them a call. Stop by their locations, Danvers, Massachusetts, or right here in Mooresville, North Carolina, or go ahead and just uh, dial them up on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman talking with... Kyle Souza, our New England correspondent, we're talking modifieds right now. And, you know, it's hard to talk about modifieds in New England, Kyle, or at least SK modifieds, without talking about Keith Rocco. Because Keith Rocco is to SK racing in New England, I feel like. Basically what, for example... Jimmy Champagne was the super modified racing at Oswego in the seventies, or, you know, Richie Evans was to modified racing. And then he is just almost a part of the fabric. Um, and really maybe the first driver in SK history or lore to be that dominant driver that everybody aspires to be and to knock off the pedestal. Yeah, and, and Keith is is definitely definitely one of the best all time SK modified drivers in the New England region, yeah. and definitely probably one of the best modified drivers uh, to come out of the Stafford Motor Speedway uh, ever as well. And I, I know sure. that puts him up against some tough company, but he is right there with the best of them. Uh, and this year has started off as a milestone for him uh, as well up until last Friday night. So for those who don't remember, taking it back to the end of last year, of course. Ted Christopher tragically losing his life uh, in a plane crash in September. Well, the next two weeks of Stafford Motor Speedway SK Modified Competition, Keith Rocco won. Uh, He won the final Friday night. He also won the Napa Fall Final SK feature, goes on to win the championship, adding to already a group of championships he had taken there in the past. Then he opens this season by winning the Spring Sizzler SK feature, and continues to just dominate the class. He won six straight SK modified features dating back to two races last year at Stafford. That is the most all time consecutively in a row in the SK division since it started. Yep. Uh, he's the only one to ever do that. His record, though, not extending to seven. That broke uh, this past Friday night, just about a week ago now. Rowan Pennick taking down the win. And let me tell you, Keith drove right to the front of that race from about the seventh or eighth row. He started. Somewhere between 11th and 15th, uh, drove right up to the front, was inside the top six or seven within what seemed like five or six laps. Then he's collected in a wreck, uh, goes to pit row. They work on the car, get it back, you know, pretty close to what it was. He comes from the back all the way to fourth uh, and has a chance on a final restart with just a few laps to go to win. He finishes fourth in that race, therefore ending the streak, obviously, of consecutive wins, but he ended up third in the final tally because of some uh, unfortunate uh, disqualification issues for Chase Dowling. However, a fourth place finish turning into a third place finish after winning six straight races. Jacob, I'm afraid a third place finish may seem like a bad night now for him uh, after he won that many in a row. When a third place finish is a bad night, you're doing something right, Kyle. That At least that's the theory I've always subscribed to. It's insane, really. I mean, that is the kind of record that we're talking about nowadays. Yeah, it, it's absolutely insane is right. Uh, and, and the way that Keith was able to put that run together at Stafford against the competition that's there, guys like Ronnie Williams, uh, Chase Dowling, the, the impressive competition and panic that they put on there on a consecutive 
basis on Friday nights is incredible. Uh, so congratulations to him. You know, that's a big accomplishment sure. up here in New England, a big accomplishment not only for him but for the SK community. Uh, and Keith has said it many times before. He did want to go wheel and modify tour racing at one time. They just didn't have the pieces and the people in place uh, to do that on a competitive basis. And we all know how competitive uh, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour is. He wasn't able to do that on a competitive basis. They decided not to do that. He stayed in the SK ranks last year winning championships at all three Connecticut tracks, which we thought was absolutely crazy. It, and wasn't, now he comes it out, was crazy, Kyle. Come on well, now. It was. It was. And, you know, so now he comes out, wins the first four races of this year. Uh, I'm not even sure what he could do next that, that wouldn't shock me. So he's over 30 points up in their championship standing. Stafford's got a big summer to come. Of course, they've got the annual SK Napa 5K, uh, which is a 100-lap SK modified race coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, that's a big one for them. They've also obviously got racing each and every Friday night, one of the few tracks up here that runs every single Friday night. Uh, throughout the summer, right through the holiday season uh, in July for the July 4th. They run right through August, down through into September and early October, of course, with the Napa Fall Final. But congratulations to Keith. Guys, some other quick New England notes. We mentioned it a little bit ago. Uh, Seacock still has not gotten a race in as part of their Will and All-American Series season. A couple of rainouts to start the season for them. Uh, they actually... Attempted to run the opening day slate, only got through the qualifying races that rained for the features. They're going to try their Will and All-American slate on Saturday when the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour is in town. However, the Pro Stocks will not be in action. Their Super Late Model Division off that night, a scheduled off night, of course, with the Wheel Modified Tour in town. So they're going to have to wait another week for them. Uh, but they'll have their other Wheel and Divisions in action, hopefully, if Mother Nature cooperates. Same kind of situation going on uh, at the New London Waterford Speed Bowl. They did open this season, however... Mother Nature has hurt their efforts to start off the season as well. Uh, not a good start for them. They're going to try again this Saturday as well. They did run this past Saturday with the Granite State Pro Stock Series in town. Triple uh, 35 races for them, something they tried different. A couple of different segment winners there, but Joey Dryron uh, taking down the overall win in that one. They did have some local racing go on there as well. Other quick things going on up here. Of course, I mentioned Stafford. They're real and All-American slate going on as well. Uh, we all know that the Pro All-Star Series ran at Thunder Road uh, this past weekend, the Memorial Day Classic. Joey Pohl taking the win there in impressive fashion. Uh, so a lot of things going on up here. The Act Tour is back in action this weekend. So many different divisions, so many different tracks, guys. But another thing going on up here, uh, Tom, this coming weekend, well, not really up here, but going on this coming weekend that we should talk about, the NASCAR and Pro Series. Yes. Uh, Getting back to action this weekend. They also, like the Wheel of Modified Tour, they didn't have as much time off, but they've had some time uh, to regroup themselves as well uh, since the last time they were on track at South Boston. They're going to be back in action this weekend. Uh, and I think the championship chase for the KNN East Series this year, where it's a little bit of an unknown right now. We weren't really sure going into the season who the favorites were going to be for the championship chase, but as it looks right now, uh, it's Tyler Ankrum and Tyler Dippel who are separating themselves yeah. from a competitive pack uh, in the K&N Pro Series. Well, here's what's interesting about that. You had, at the beginning of the season, of course, you still had Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland racing in the first couple races, which they dominated. And that set up a scenario where those two sat atop the points after the first two shows, but then dropped off because they aren't running... Uh, all the races, uh, or Gilliland is not running any more races in in, in that case. But um, I think Burton may run one or two, but that's it. 
So basically where we're at here is you had Tyler Ankrum, who started off pretty well in Florida and has kept up the momentum and ended up getting a win. Um, at Finally at South Boston, you have, you have Ankrum leading, but Tyler Dipple now has come on and joined him. They have the Tyler and Tyler show going on over at DGR Crossley. Uh, and the other team that you would expect to be in contention, which is MDM Motorsports, Anthony Alfredo got wrecked in the first couple of shows and then also had a crash in the first race at South Boston before he finally got a win. I'm not sure Anthony can overcome the deficit that that he lacks right now from Tyler and Tyler without some help from those two not finishing some shows. But if he can get them to have some bad luck, then Anthony would be right back in this. But as it sits right now, I think the Tyler and Tyler show is going to be uh, the championship show here, even though we're still fairly early in the schedule, unless those two falter, it's going to come down to one of the two of them. But as far as for race wins, Alfredo's right there. Ronnie Bassett's there. Uh, and it's kind of fun to see some different names. Now we got a couple of Western uh, drivers coming over for this show with the Bill McAnally cars. Cole Rouse has entered. Haley Deegan's entered as well. 18 cars set to go at Memphis this weekend, it should be interesting to see how that works out. Three-quarter mile track, kind of an, an intermediate sort of deal for this series. I think that the, the cool thing about this k Pro Series is we don't have, in a way, we do have a contingent of drivers that run every race, but we also have guys like you mentioned, like Rouse uh, and Deegan that come in from the West yeah. and kind of spoil the party sometimes, in a way, uh, and run up front. So I think that that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Memphis, again, uh, as you mentioned, the tough track for drivers to navigate. Yeah. They're going to have a hard time uh, keeping tires under them and, and running the full distance on those tires. And, and a little bit of tire management obviously going to happen there. If you missed it uh, earlier today, actually, uh, check out NASCAR Home Tracks. A nice feature there on the Bassett Brothers uh, running in the K&N Pro Series again this year. Uh, they've done a good job over the last couple of years to be competitive. We'll see if they can uh, get back yeah. to victory lane as well. Uh, but a lot of things going on up here uh, New England, Tom, not only the K&N series, the Wheel and All-American series, of course, the Wheel and Modified Tour we talked about a little bit ago, uh, and some tour-type modified racing as well. Just want to mention quickly, the Tri-Track Open Modified Series ran their first of four events uh, this past Saturday night at Claremont Speedway in New Hampshire, and it was Mike Willis Jr., who has really been making a name for himself quietly up here in the New England race scene, taking down the big check there uh, yeah, Mike Willis Jr., you may not know that name, but get to know him because he took a big win there at Claremont and what he considers his home track, and he beat Ryan Priest and Matt Hirschman on the podium uh, to get that win. So a big race for the Tri-Track Series into the record books as well. Uh, in the month of June, Seacock has got their modified month. They've got the Wheel Modified Tour, and at the end of the month, uh, the $10,000 to win Open Wheel Wednesday coming up. So much going on. Up here, it's hard to cover everything uh, in a short period of time. I hope we've done a good job of breaking everything down, but uh, so much going on. Going to keep track of everything on social media uh, throughout the next couple weeks. Absolutely. Look forward to hopefully talking to you again next week, uh, Kyle. And as Kyle uh, goes off to his next commitment, we step aside. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming K&M Pro Series race at Memphis because 
some interesting scenarios potentially over there this weekend. And we'll talk about all of that and break it down for you right around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Timmy Salmito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. That was interesting. Timmy Salamito bringing us back after spending some time talking modified racing as we begin our second hour of the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and we've got Randy Miller, the soon-to-be uh, producer and probably at least partially uh, a co-host on this program. And we're looking forward to that beginning his process this evening. We welcome him to the cast here of the Stock Car Show. And we get into the second hour. We were discussing Newswire items in the first hour and I want to follow up before we get back to that. I want to follow up on what we discussed with Kyle Susan, the last segment, the K&M Pro Series East racing at Memphis. And Jacob, this is going to be, in my mind anyway, 
this is going to be an interesting race. We talked about the Tyler and Tyler show in the last segment, but there's a driver that we haven't mentioned yet who I think is going to be number one really fast. Number two, he's going to go into this with a little bit of a chip because Chase Cabry almost won this race a year ago and Chase almost won at South Boston in the series last race. So he's kind of in a situation where I think he's going to go into this for rev racing out for blood and out to uh, basically take this Memphis Motor Speedway deal and put it in his pocket and carry it back home with him. You think? I would say a chip on the shoulder is an understatement. He's going to come in like a shark, and I believe he's going to walk away. Here's my bold statement for the night. With the win. Yes. Wow. I'm saying it. I'm out and out saying it right now. Sorry, DGR. Sorry, MDM. Sometimes motivation conquers all, and I think it will in this case. I believe Chase Cabry comes in ready to go and firing on all cylinders, and I believe he will win in his return to Memphis over the weekend. Well, it's it's definitely a track where I think he can win. He seemed very confident. We had him on the show last year after the Memphis race, and he seemed really, uh, he was obviously disappointed with the outcome, but he felt really comfortable there, which is interesting because it's a three-quarter mile track, and it's not the kind of a track that you would think that a driver whose background is predominantly sprint cars on dirt uh, would be really, really shiny at. But, you know, Chase just picked up on it really well last year. And I I have the real feeling that he'll be in contention. I don't know if he wins. I mean, gosh, the way this season has been going between the two DGR Crosley cars of Tyler Ankrum, Tyler Dipple, and then knowing that Anthony Alfredo in the MDM Motorsports car is as fast as they are most of the time, or at least in the neighborhood. Uh, if he can just avoid crashes, you just feel like they're the top three, or at least would be up there in the top five. But certainly of all the rev racing cars, if I'm going to pick one to be in contention in Memphis, it definitely is Chase. Absolutely. He's got the experience. He's got the motivation and I would honestly argue at this juncture, he's got the momentum in the sense that he knows what he needs and he's not afraid to get after it, Tom. Sometimes momentum isn't just about your finishes coming into an event. Sometimes it's about all the circumstances that have played against you and shove you forward just that much as well. And for Chase, I think that's where we're at in this case. I also think if he can get it done... How big a boon would that be for Rev Racing, which really has needed something to go right for the last couple of seasons? Chase got them a couple of poles last year, just hasn't quite been able to crack the threshold into victory lane, but he's close. Well, that's true. And and I think Rev Racing in general is making a little bit of progress. I mean, they came into the season with Chase Cabry and Ruben Garcia as kind of the returning veterans, if you will. Uh, And you've got Ryan Vargas, too, who we've had on our shows several times already this year. In fact, Ryan was on our show the other night on the Motorsports Madness show and really felt confident going into this race. 
he's he's a bone stock rookie. I mean, there is no there is no Ryan Vargas uh, conversation at this point about him being slow, about him being, um, you know, out of the 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 top ten at this point. He's fourth in points, and he's ready, I think, to hit some top five or six runs. And Memphis could be a track where he does that. It could be. It could be, Chris, but I think if we go too far away from uh, going ahead and earmarking DGR Crosley is still the favorites, well, <laughs> then we're all crazy because the Tyler and Tyler show is what the K&M Pro Series East right now is. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where when you're good, you're good, and those two are good right now. You're absolutely right, Cisco. But I, I mean, Jacob, I was looking at Cisco. My bad. But uh, nice. Um, I, I mean, I've been mistaken for a few people <laughs> over my tenure, but Cisco is not one of them. One of them should well, be insulted. A, I'm just not sure. There's which a first one. for everything, Jacob. Uh, but I'm kind of with you on on the whole motivation factor for Chase. I mean, especially coming out of last week. I know you you were talking about motivation doesn't really stem from finishes coming into the past, but he started what, fourth guys and came home in 10th at Sobo last week. So I think uh, he's going to be a little bit motivated more than uh, more than ever to come out, especially when he almost won last year, to come out and knock this thing out of the park. And I think he's got a really good shot to do this. Another driver I think has a really good shot to at least finish well, finish in the top five maybe at this one, is the guy that finished right behind him last week, Ryan Vargas. We talked to him on Monday. I listened to that segment, Jacob. He's excited for Memphis. That's an understatement. I, I That's maybe the understatement of the week. Now, I'm going to add to all this as we think about it, Tom. The Bassett boys, who uh, Dylan at least has a slick new paint scheme for Memphis, they're the other set of drivers that come into this having had prior experience at Memphis. And this is not an easy three-quarters mile. I think the drivers who raced this event one year ago are going to be the ones to beat over the weekend with perhaps the exception of the DGR guys because the equipment's just that good. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. The Bassets have had an intriguing season so far i don't think it's nearly the season they were hoping for no i agree um and i don't know why i mean i feel like they don't know why either that's the thing that's you know i feel like the team the equipment i mean it's all i think most all of their equipment is h scott motorsports equipment from just a couple of years ago when they were championship contenders i mean i feel like the personnel they have are definitely strong I would have thought that they would be right in this mix, and I just don't see them having the speed that I thought they would. Ronnie's been in a couple of crashes. It's just kind of been a weird season for them, and this would be the type of track where I feel like one or both of them could get off the schneid and contend for a win here, but... It's just a, it's been a strange season this yes. year in the K&M Pro Series East. A, a lot of things that you wouldn't have su- suspected, although obviously when it started, we really didn't have 
I mean, we had Tyler Ankrum, but he was a rookie, and we weren't sure what we were going to get out of him over the long haul. Well, we, we weren't sure at the beginning whether he was even going to run the full schedule. Well, I don't think not. we're still sure if he's going to run the full schedule. We've not heard somebody definitively say, yes, this is happening. Right. Um, but every time he wins or runs second, it uh-huh. gets harder and harder to exactly. to, to say no. Exactly. And then, of course, you, you also have Tyler Dipple, who's come on – after the season has started here and right. ran one race for MDM, then he goes over to DGR for the rest of the year. Won a race for them. Yeah, and here he is right on the cusp of taking the point lead from his teammates. So it's become almost a tale of two different seasons yeah. in a half a season. It really has been, and I think that's really what's jumbled the picture up so much. Yeah. Now, when you talk about bigger tracks and guys who may have horsepower, Cisco, there's one name that I think everybody's kind of overlooking, and I don't mean this in the way that it's easy to overlook him because he's not as uh, vertically challenged as he used to be. He's just very soft-spoken and lets his racing do the talking. Derek Kraus, keep an eye on that particular car out of the Bill McAnally stable this weekend because if anybody's going to break out and do something, I think Derek is the one that's going to make something happen. We've seen the McAnally cars have horsepower on these high-speed tracks like Memphis, like Iowa, and I know he has some notes from when his teammate Todd Gilliland was so dominant a year ago on the bigger tracks. So that right there could be maybe the straw that stirs the drink in this particular case. It could be. I think the biggest downside for Kraus is the fact that, like you said, he's relying just on notes. I mean, this is a racetrack that the series has visited only one other time. And because it's a three-quarter mile, it makes it kind of hard to really equate it to another track. I, I had a little bit of flashes of something like a Pikes Peak, but that track hasn't been used in a while anyway, so it's it wouldn't really matter. It's sort of like Richmond, but not exactly. Yeah. It, it it reminds me of if Nazareth was a traditional oval. I think that's what I equate it to. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's about as close as I could think of it too, Tom. But basically what all this boils down to is largely we really don't know. Well, no, we really don't know. Spencer Davis, another driver who's always capable oh, of, of a course. strong run. If in that the Danny Watts Danny car Watts goes car. to victory lane, good grief. Uh, yeah. you, you, you might as well burn the grandstands down. They're going to be partying for days. That's for sure. I mean, you know, this is, again, one of those races where it's hard to really call who has the chance to win, but you kind of go with the odds here. I do agree with, about Derek Krause, and I kind of overlooked him on the uh, entry list earlier, Cole Rouse, another driver out of the McAnally stable that certainly is capable of a good run, but I think Derek is pretty much uh, out of that group, the one I would bet on if I were placing a bet and had to choose a McAnally car. With hey, that, sports gambling is legal now. Uh, yeah, but not, not in all states, so we'll refrain for now. And with that, we'll step aside when we come back from K&M Pro Series East to the Arca Series. They're running at Pocono on Friday afternoon. Lots to talk about there. We will be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. Broadcasting the show live here this evening from the Race City USA Race Chaser Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina, where it has been off and on raining all night long. Some storms rolling through the area, so hopefully uh, we keep power and everything works well for the rest of the show here. Uh, but we are talking about, uh, we were talking about K&M Pro Series East. I want to switch the focus to the Arca Series now because just as K&M Pro Series East has a big race at Memphis, Arca has an even bigger race at Pocono. Anytime that you get Arca cars on the track at the Tricky Triangle, it is quite a race. This year, I think even more so because you've got some guys in the series that have been fighting tooth and nail all year long in points. And most of them, Chris, Run for MDM Motorsports, Zane Smith, who kind of is looking at this like it's going to be a road course race, is the points leader by just 15 points over his teammate Sheldon Creed, who has a similar background to Zane, except he went off and ran stadium trucks and, and was a X Games gold medalist and all of that. These two guys in particular are just slugging it out back and forth for the points lead. And I think both of them have a great shot to win at Pocono on Friday afternoon. 
they might have a great shot at winning if that four uh, that 54 car doesn't do what it did last weekend and completely dominate the race because no Todd Gillen's not in the 54 car this weekend but who is Noah Gregson yeah and he could definitely tear that field up if he wants to yeah Noah playing the role of spoiler Cisco in this one because of course now a full-time NASCAR camping world truck series racer but I still think that uh, Greg's that uh, the MDM cars have a great shot at it. And I'll tell you another driver I'm going to pay attention to this weekend because he is he's done everything but win. And that's Chase Purdy in one of the other MDM cars. Chase is going to be, I think, a little extra motivated because he made a mistake in Charlotte this past week and took himself out of contention. And He's been wrecked a couple of times at other tracks in races that he felt he had a car fast enough to win at. So, Cisco, this really is a wide-open race. Chris is right. Gregson has a great shot, but MDM is going there loaded for bear. They got Harrison Burton, too, just for good measure in his super speedway debut. Yeah, I was going to say, I I like Harrison at this race as well. I think Gregson's going to be the heavy favorite probably going in just from the experience side of things. Jacob, is this something that you can get grumpy at with a higher level driver coming down? Because I know you don't like that in Cup and Xfinity, but what about something like this? Well, oh, who am I kidding? Yes, I can get a little grumpy about it, (laughs) even in Noah's case, uh, because he's doing this largely because he's only ever had one truck race at Pocono to really uh, bank off of, though I'm not convinced he is the heavy favorite. I mean, you watched how Todd Gilliland looked like he was going to be gone like gangbusters and it wasn't even going to be close for the first half of the race at Charlotte, and then he became human and the 12 car came calling, and that was the end of that. So uh, it's there's a lot of different ways this could play out. I would not count out Harrison Burton at all, especially considering he's driving the 12 car, which is what Brandon Jones took to victory lane not too long ago. But the other storyline that I think we bears keeping an eye on here, there's actually two bullets that I want to hit. Number one is the uh, Super Speedway debut for Thad Moffat in the Empire slash RPM Development 46 car. The other is the fact that though Natalie Decker will start the ARCA race at Pocono, she will not finish it. She'll end up pitting at the end of the first lap and giving way to a driver who has a ton of ARCA Racing Series experience, including six victories for Venturini Motorsports. Brennan Poole going to stand in for Natalie for the remainder of that race. She's going to start to get the driver points, but uh, Cisco going to give way because she is still recovering from hernia surgery recently. Yeah, and uh, it's an unfortunate situation because we we know she wants to be in the car, and this is another opportunity. She's shown speed so far this season, just either been, once again, kind of a similar story with Chase Purdy, you know, gotten involved in accidents or just wrong place, wrong time. So, Chris, I definitely look to see – I think if – she said she's going to pit after the first lap, though. I mean, if I was her, I would stay out there for as long as until I felt like I, I had to come down pit road. But I would think just for her sake, she's probably not going to want to try and gamble with that, really, especially off surgery for a hernia. Yeah, she she's definitely going to want to play it safe, especially after that surgery. But guys, let's be honest. 
there's a lot of favorites and a lot of people we could pick for winners coming into this race. Another guy I do want to take a mention to is a guy that did really well last uh, last week, and he went kind of unnoticed at, at Charlotte, but he's really getting up there, and he's really doing well, and he's getting better at these finishes. Finished in the top 10 last weekend, and that's Will Rogers in that 52. Will Rogers has been getting more consistent. He's been getting up there towards the front. I think he has a good shot at being up there in contention for this one as well. I'll throw one more name out, Tom, who's really gone very under the radar, but is now going to be running the rest of the season for Chad Bryant racing in the 77 car. How about a call to Joe Graff Jr., who came up so excruciatingly close in that virtual dead heat to Zane at Talladega a couple of uh, weeks ago, a couple of races ago now, but... The New Jersey driver, he's one, I think, that could be a dark horse for this because he's not afraid and has a little bit of experience on the big tracks, and we know how potent those Bryant uh, former Cunningham cars have been over the years on these speedways, particularly at Pocono comes to mind. Yeah, Joe's been an interesting surprise, I think, for me this year, and I agree with you. He could be a contender in this one. He was in that dead heat at Charlotte driving or at uh, Talladega, I should say driving with a broken foot. So uh, that's to me, that's a racer. And I think Joe uh, probably will have an opportunity here to uh, make a bit of a statement again. And I do agree. He's, he could very well be in contention. There's a lot of, competition right now Gus Dean is always anytime you go to a bigger track Gus Dean is always worth watching we know that he can win you know there are a number of drivers who I think could surprise Pocono is an intriguing track and it's a scary fast track but I think for the ARCA guys I don't know that it's all that really difficult to race I think a lot of them just kind of have a tendency to let it overwhelm them. I think you got some guys this year, like I said, especially out of the MDM stables, that to me are perfectly suited for this track and could really go and make this race quite interesting. Somewhere Justin Haley is going, yes, yes, Pocono is scary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he's the one that first said that on this show a couple years ago. Well, and again, it's I think because for a lot of these kids, and I think for Justin it was, for that, it will be this time around, and also Harrison, which is why I'm not really necessarily... Oh, I wouldn't be worried about Harrison. Well, but it's still a sensation of speed that Harrison hasn't had a lot of time in the draft either. Um, and that's really where he said he's looking forward to learning. I'm not saying he can't run for the win, because certainly he can, but to me... I look at the other three guys in that stable as being the guys that are going to be in contention. And also, if they can make that swap with Natalie and Brennan Poole, I'm intrigued by Brennan and his chances too, depending on how this race goes. If he can stay on the league lap, Cisco, that's going to be the hard part is finding a way. And I got to tell you, I had heard hernia surgery in first grade. Now, I know I was a little, little kid, and I can't say that I remember a ton about it other than the excruciating pain I was in when it was over. So uh, I got to believe this is – I don't think she wants to get in a crash with a hernia. I don't think she's going to push her luck too far. 
Gotcha. I'm just I'm I'm just curious when we've we've seen stuff like this before. It comes to mind. Wasn't there this Eric Almarola guy, Jacob, who nearly won a race before having to give up a seat? Didn't that happen at some point? Yeah, that may have happened at some point. By the way, anybody that thinks Harrison Burton is not going to be a factor need only look at the open testing results from the Wednesday test session that they had at Pocono. He was more than two miles an hour quicker than Will Rogers in second. Well, and that may be, but again, when you start racing – uh, becomes a little bit dicier, I think. But certainly Harrison's a quick study, and he's not a driver that tends to take an awful lot of risk, especially when he knows that he's not totally, I don't want to say comfortable, but ju- when he knows he's in the learning mode, you know, he's going to try and log laps and be there in right. the end, and then he'll take his shot if he thinks he can have it. But he's a smart heads-up racer, so that may be, Jacob, why uh, you could consider him a contender for the win. I think so. The guy who I believe is the favorite for the win is the guy who won this race a year ago, who nearly beat Brandon Jones at Charlotte, was breathing down his neck on the last lap, and who was fastest overall in Wednesday's test. And that's the JGR 18 of Riley Herbst. Period. End of discussion. Riley's excited. He loves Pocono. He's gunning because he knows they just narrowly missed out on a victory. And he said, I hate losing, but if I have to lose to a JGR teammate, I guess it's not all bad. He's fired up, and I think that could be just the spark that this team needs. Yes, they're behind on points right now, but this was a turning point for their season a year ago, and it might be again. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I think Riley's got an excellent shot and should definitely be mentioned in the conversation, especially, again, on the bigger tracks. That seems to be a forte for him. With that, uh, we will step aside when we come back. Much more of the Stock Car Show to come. We've got a couple of interesting topics to begin discussion on. When we return, you are listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport the leaders in motorsport safety, right here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. 
It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Coming to you from the Race in the USA Race Chaser Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Chris Burdock, and Cisco Scaramuza talking racing for about another 30 minutes or so here on the program. And we're going to hit a topic here. And I'm bringing this up for a couple of reasons. One, because we had obviously a big issue at Charlotte with Kevin Harvick in the four car not being able to take time and therefore having to start at the back, which really just made it a little more exciting watching him come to the front, in my opinion. But And because we have Chris Bell having an issue, whatever. Bell's issue to me was was more about the team and that side of things. Harvick's was as well, but it also has to do with the Hawkeye because what's happening here is these teams now are starting to learn about the Hawkeye's tendencies, where its strengths are and where its weaknesses are. And they're starting to now play with how far can we go before the discotheque kicks us out and tells us to fix something and... I'm not going to share the specifics of this because I, I it was told to me in confidence, but what Harvick got, got dinged for was way out of spec and, and way beyond the tolerance, Chris. It, it was, and Tom, you, you say they're, they're figuring out these tendencies and, and what will happen, and it 
makes it a little bit easier because I think the Fords have found out that the Hawkeye does a good job at picking up sharp edges, which will attack the Toyota and the Chevy bodies, but not so much the round bodies that the Fords are on with the Fusion chassis. Uh, also, a lot of teams are investing in their own. They're dropping these hundreds of thousands of dollars to have them in their shop and test everything out, see what they can get away with. And it's just, I think, in my opinion, bringing down the sport. Yeah, well, okay, I don't want to quite go that far. But, yes, it is. De- I think it's negatively impacting it. And here's the deal for me. You're right. Sharp edges, um, you know, different colors in different areas. Uh, there, there are all kinds of little things that this this thing is sort of struggling with, and the teams are, are figuring it out. And here's my deal with this, Jacob. I don't want to make this into a federal case, but the problem I have right now is as a as a fan, I want to see the cars qualify. I don't want to see now Harvick and I think it was the seven car of Yaley. Um, that sounds right. Yeah, at, at Charlotte last week were the only two. Um, but we've had, you know, obviously a couple of situations this year where it's been double digit numbers of cars who can't make it out of qualifying. And my problem with this is as more of these elite teams with the big resources get their own versions of this thing, now what happens is they get to figure out all of the Hawkeye's sort of little quirks, shall we say, and the smaller teams don't have the advantage of having that information, so it widens the gap between the two, and the bigger teams kind of know how to exploit it, and what's happened here is they'll find a little bit of, let's say it's a gap, in what the discotheque picks up and they just basically are exploiting it and waiting for NASCAR to happen to check that certain sort of thing that they got the gap with. And then they get booted. The smaller teams don't have the same advantage. And my, my problem with this is we've just increased the cost pretty much of winning a race because these bigger teams have the advantage of sort of knowing all of the little quirks that, uh, the smaller teams don't, and it's still at the end of the day is up to NASCAR's tech people to make a judgment as to how far out of tolerance they're going to allow it to be. And from what I'm hearing from the garage area, that's been a bit of a moving target so far this year. Well, then if that's the case, it needs to stop. Here's the deal. You have written tolerances, black and white, in the rule book. Follow them. Period. End of sentence. End of discussion. If you're off the tolerance, I don't care if it's a thousandth, a ten thousandth, a degree, a half a degree. If you're outside the tolerance, you should fail and you should not get to do whatever it is you're trying to do. Kevin Harvick failed inspection three times. It's not... I'm sorry. I know the fans are bent out of shape about this, Chris, but at some point, the fans have to respect that NASCAR's trying to do what they can to make sure the cars that are legal through inspection get to qualify and those that aren't legal don't. Period. And you're exactly right. The tolerances are written for a reason, and they should adhere to them. Now, I do want to go back to what Tom said earlier about seeing cars uh, not pass, uh, reaching double-digit numbers, uh, per se. And I think we're going to start seeing— there's only one time that I remember that happening this year, and it was actually in an Xfinity race. 
I don't think uh, we'll see that quite happening anymore since NASCAR dropped the rule that you can start on fresh tires now, no matter if you qualified or not, which I applaud them because they're actually doing something to combat this issue with people uh, going through checkpoints, not passing, and then not going back out so they have the fresh tire advantage. I think... Uh, there, there are some strides that NASCAR has taken. Obviously, everybody knows that they could be taking more, and I think they're working towards that. So I applaud NASCAR for trying to do a little bit of damage control on this situation. Oh, I and, and I'm not trying to necessarily, you know, disrespect NASCAR here. I, I guess I'm just making the point that just like when you see a pit stop and you see a tire that is about halfway on the white line, still inside the pit, halfway on the white line. It's there for about two seconds. Then the tire guy takes it and goes, you know, across the wall or whatever with it. I think, again, I come back to this is what happens when you try to micromanage the sport. And I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've just, these pit stop penalties, some of them to me are just frivolous and absurd And I think that NASCAR, I understand they're trying to keep things even and they're trying to obviously keep the safety in line. But there's just a point where you have to look at that and go, okay, it's halfway on the line. It's two seconds. It's not uncontrolled. The tire isn't moving. It's not in anybody's way. The tire guy grabbed it, brought it across the wall. That's not a penalty. Well, um, no, on the line is that's not an uncontrolled penalty. That's an outside the box there, penalty. There, there was okay, whatever, uncontrolled, outside the box, whatever you label it. It's it's a frivolous penalty at that point because it's sitting partially on the line, half inside the the box, and the tire guy within two seconds is taking it going across the wall. It's not hurting anything. It isn't causing any problems. It's not going to get struck unless somebody goes inside somebody else's pit box. To me, frivolous Everybody knows the rules. Well, and I want to add to that through it's, everything, and they sit through the drivers' meeting. They know the rules. They know they're not supposed to do it. So, I, I, I mean, I get where you're coming from, Tom, but it's a rule, and rules are meant the to be. Li- here's the deal: the line is considered outside the box. It's no different if somebody puts a right side tire on the line and they start to service the car. That's considered pitting outside the well, box. Well, sorry, a lap but then penalty. when you turn around and allow Jimmy. Johnson to put lug nuts on the race car outside of the pit box. I mean, I'm sorry, but we're now we're getting into a situation where we're not being even. And again, you know, you guys can disagree if you want. That's we can agree to disagree. But my deal is that a race should be between drivers. It should not be lost because somebody decided to set a tire halfway or less than halfway on a white line in the pit box for two seconds you take one man away from the over the wall pit team and then you start dinging them for silly things like this and you cost a driver a win or at least cost him points because now they got to make up all that ground it, it i'm sorry we're micromanaging the human element and the racing out of the race because we're taking penalties and, and assessing penalties for things that have no bearing. Well, if, that, if that's outcome. how you feel, then why don't we just go to controlled cautions and eliminate the need for a pit crew entirely? 
Because that's silly. That's not what I'm saying at that's all. I'm a, well, saying that's exactly look, how silly your you, argument is got, right now. Listen, you, that, that's no, I'm not being silly. And there, there's a lot of fans that agree with this. You've got 800,000 cameras in the pits now. I mean, Big Brother's watching everything. If you can't look at that and say that tire is hurting nothing, no penalty, then we're doing something wrong. We're penalizing people just to penalize people. And I think that's, to me, that takes away from the race itself. It's gotten to a point where we're over penalizing and micromanaging the whole point process of the race from start to finish. And we're still missing things. So, you know, if we can if we can mess up in tech, but then take some a penalty to cause uh, put somebody the tail of the longest line for something like that. And I saw that twice last week in the cup race at Charlotte. The tire wasn't even all the way on the line. It was just sitting there. It was less than two seconds and they carried it across the wall. There's just no reason why that should be a penalty in my in my mind. I think we have gone too far. My opinion. That's your opinion, Correct. but and I we're have a going right to, to agree. Yeah, you do, but I have a right to disagree with you. And that's fine. That's why we do the show, because we have differing views. And with that, we are going to step aside and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about an interesting concept that Brad Keselowski peddled out just 24 hours ago. Hybrid cars in NASCAR. What you think about that? We'll be back to discuss it on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift. 
and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. This is our lightning round. And in the lightning round, we normally go rapid fire around the table with a number of different questions. Tonight, I suspect we'll only get to one because this should be the second thing we probably at some point within our group of hosts here disagree about, but we'll see where it goes. So Brad Keselowski, who is, in my opinion, a very articulate blogger, when he writes a blog, he makes his case very well. And I really am impressed and always interested and entertained by Brad's uh, literary skills with the blogs, has written a blog that he believes in that basically says it's time for hybrid cars in NASCAR. Now, he lays out his case pretty well. But here's my question, and I'm going to pose this. We're going to go around the table. We'll give everybody a chance to answer, and then I'll share my thoughts on it. My question to each of you in the group here, and we'll start with Cisco because I can. Now, Brad makes this about horsepower. He makes it about efficiency. He makes it about making the cars harder to manage by making them faster. Basically lays out a case that combines a little bit of F1 with a little bit of Formula E with, you know, and and says, look, we're we don't want total battery power here, but hybrid would give us a lot of different strategy options that we currently don't have and actually give us a little more speed. Cisco hybrid vehicles in NASCAR agree or disagree and why? I agree with them being in NASCAR, but I disagree with them replacing the top-level series. Because what NASCAR needs right now is to return to the same perception that the series had about 15, 20 years ago. And getting rid of something like a V8 and and the, the cars that we have now, which are trying to echo back to cars that look like the ones you buy in a showroom you know ultimately the roots of nascar and things that'll bring fans and sponsors back to it is to emulate what nascar used to be like 
Now, yes, I agree with Brad. This racing would be probably, with all the strategy and everything, you could sit there and just build a whole five ring or five uh, five section binder with all the different strategies that you could take, everything that you could learn in it. But it can't be the main series from NASCAR because that's just not going to catch on with the demographic NASCAR needs to worry about right now. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to go to Jacob next here, but I will just say that according to Brad, the sound of the motors wouldn't change. And he believes that the younger demographic is really into green and environment and efficiency and battery power. So he believes this is a great step rather than just going to totally quiet cars like Formula E, Jacob. He he thinks that uh, this would be a minimalistic change in the sound of the cars, but would increase the horsepower, which would then negate some of the advantage that the aerodynamics have. We are not Formula E. Love you, Brad. I love the way you think sometimes. This is one time I disagree. That's it. Okay. So, uh, Chris Murdoch. It's really a a fine line you walk with this because I agree on some aspects, and I'm actually going to disagree with Cisco on the demographic thing because if if you've learned anything about our generation is, is we're all about the environment and we're all about going green and, and making everything more clean and using clean energy and, and recycling and all this – and no offense, Tom, but NASCAR is not trying to target your generation anymore. Uh, they're trying to target us. Well, I and, think and I said going, that. <laughs> and going with this trend, uh, this is the demographic that NASCAR would need to, to target with this. Uh, so I feel like in that sense, it's a good, uh, a good marketing sense uh, for, for NASCAR to go this route. Now, performance – uh entertainment wise you know strategy wise strategy wise i think it makes sense because there's a lot of like cisco said there's a lot of things that nascar could do and the teams can do to make this strategy more entertaining and uh you know add, add in more strategy to the races now i know a lot of fans now are not big on strategy races they like to see the drivers race it out on performance so i mean with any situation like this, with going drastically uh, in a different direction, there's always pros and cons. But uh, I feel like agreeing with Cisco, they can't they can't do it with the top series just yet because there's a lot of details they have to iron out. Maybe go with some some lower series. Maybe try it in you know a lower series. That way they can work out all the kinks and then work it in. You know, kind of what they did with the draft package that they used for the Xfinity cars at Indy. They worked that in, and then you saw them use it with the cup cars at the All-Star race, and now they're bringing it back for the Xfinity race at Pocono, Michigan. So kind of just working it in the lower series, ironing out the kinks. I think it can be done, and I think it can be successful, but they have to do it the right way. Okay, so I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs of this because I think there's some misconception here. So this is straight out of Brad's blog. Back in March, he says, I was at a fan event before the Las Vegas race and noticed that there were a lot of international fans in attendance. I wound up talking to people from Germany, Ireland, and Australia, where, incidentally, the Formula One race season was about to begin. I asked them why they were in Vegas instead of back home heading to the F1 race. And they said, we don't go to F1 races anymore. We don't like the cars. They don't sound right. They've switched from big engines 
to small engines, and that made the cars too quiet. And I love this line. They sound like vacuum cleaners, I might add, with flip-flop tops. That's one of the factors, Brad says, of the kinetic energy recovery system known as KERS. KERS takes the energy from braking, charges it into a battery pack, then returns it to the cars when they need extra power. The idea behind it was to cut costs, but going to a smaller engine was a big mistake. Now, this is, again, straight out of Brad's blog. Race cars that don't sound like race cars is not acceptable. If that's going to be the cost of hybrid vehicles, a lot of NASCAR fans will want to throw up, and rightly so. Our fan base associates stock cars with a throaty V8 engine, and so do I. That shouldn't change. If we go to a four-cylinder or V6, we're going to lose a lot of fans. But, he says, having a KERS system similar to what they have in F1 that can recover energy and use it as needed is the perfect foundation for the NASCAR V8 hybrid stock car. The way he envisions it, we'd be creating one of the best engines in the world, and it would keep the roar that NASCAR fans love. So if we buy into Brad's concept and we accept that this could possibly be basically more or less a combination. We keep the V8, but add the hybrid element to it. We end up with close to a thousand horsepower for the engines, which means more speed, which means in theory that the arrow has a little less to do with it. The cars are going to be harder to manage, and it's going to give the drivers, Cisco, almost the same effect as, I hate this, the push-to-pass button that the Indy cars have, which I've always thought was dorky, but they're going to have extra power when they need it, and it, it, again, it just makes for all kinds of different strategic possibilities while keeping the sound and maybe even adding some horsepower back, which certainly has been a complaint that we've heard about uh, some of the motor packages that they run now. Yeah, absolutely. And I would like to see that. I think it would be interesting. Except, Tom, I'll let you write up the social media thing that says NASCAR is going to adopt this in one of their series because I want you – because why don't you read the comments on social media when they do Well, that? I already uh, – look, I already posted it on, on social media earlier, the blog, and it got – and it was obvious from the comments that half the people didn't read the article. They just simply looked at the headline and just jumped to the conclusion that we're all going to be Formula E. That is not what Brad's proposing. And if you read the column all the way through, he really breaks down how this could be accomplished. And he believes that eventually this is just going to be something that we all look at. They're already on the road. And so... This may be a way to get more manufacturers to buy in. So that obviously would help the sport. And, you know, some of the money and resources that they put to use on the track would eventually make the cars on the roads better. So we could bring the sport back to a more manufacturer-centric sport. And I know, I know, it's the perception, stupid. Well, as we've all said on this show, in this segment... They're not targeting me. I'm 50. Okay, but I'm 50 and I'm saying, look, I think this could be really interesting. They're targeting you guys, the 20 somethings, the teenagers, the, you know, those 
of the the segment that thinks it can change the world basically with cleaning up the environment and we know we're all about uh you know green and cleaner and so i just think it if you want my opinion it's an idea worth consideration i'm not saying we should introduce it next week but certainly i think it's worth considering and i think the only way to try it honestly is in the cup series i could see a future all-star race basically uh having these kind of uh motors or whatever after some extensive testing we'll see and that's kind of where i go with that and with that as we get ready to wrap up this show we look forward to the arca race at pocono we've got xfinity we've got the monster energy nascar cup series Coming up should be some great racing over the weekend. Going to go around the table real quick. I just want to name, pick a winner. Cisco Scaramuza, go. Cup Series. Uh, Cup Series, uh, Kyle Busch. Okay, Jacob. Bush. Wow, two Bushes. Okay, are you a Bush, Chris Murdoch? I am a Bush, but I'm a Kurt Bush. Oh, okay. Going with uh, Big Brother. All right. I'm going to uh, stick with what I know. Kevin Harvick wins uh, at Pocono. So we'll uh, go with that. And Jacob, I think it's just about time to uh, throw the checkered flag on what's been a busy show. Yes, it has been a busy show. We will throw a checkered flag and we will get ready to get out of here. Of course, we'll be back every Thursday night live at 7 p.m. Eastern on both Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. As always, thanks to Bob Steele and Sue Mason for all they do from PMN to help make this show possible. For Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and Tom Baker, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks. And if you're headed to a racetrack somewhere, well, we might just see you out there. Have a safe racing weekend. Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on the program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.